Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 2nd. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Today, the NFL is reckoning with racism on several fronts. Washington's team announced its new name. The previous name was a slur against Native Americans. They are now called the Washington Commanders. There's also an explosive new lawsuit from a black coach. Former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL and three teams. He's suing the Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants. His lawsuit alleges discrimination in the Dolphins' firing of him as well as in the interview processes for coaching positions with other teams. NFL teams have faced a lot of criticism over the years for failing to hire more black coaches. Now, the league has attempted to address this with things like the Rooney Rule, which says teams have to interview minority candidates for open positions. ESPN explains how one of the allegations in this lawsuit is that Flores' interview with the Giants was a sham. He says the team had already decided to hire another coach, but talked with him as a way to satisfy the Rooney rule. He also says the Broncos didn't take his interview seriously, that some people arrived late and hung over to that meeting. All three teams have defended their actions, and the NFL said it's serious about diversity and that Flores' lawsuit is without merit. His attorney says Flores may not be the only person involved in the lawsuit. The long firm It's looking into allegations from other coaches who could be part of a class action suit. This year, teaching Black History Month in some public schools may be very different. That's because of new laws that limit how teachers can talk about racism and sexism. Education Week counts 14 states that have restricted what teachers can teach, and 20 more states that are considering similar moves. An NBC News investigation looks at how this is playing out in school libraries. Moves to ban books are growing. And according to the American Library Association, these bans often target black authors. NBC News pulled records from several Texas school districts and found, during the first four months of this school year, there were 75 formal requests to remove books. A year earlier, there was only one request during the same period. One parent in Texas asked the school district to ban a children's biography of Michelle Obama. Another parent objected to the book How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi and instead suggested it be replaced with copies of the Bible. There's another case in Texas involving a dispute over a graphic novel called New Kid. This book is not explicitly about racism, slavery, civil rights, or police brutality. It's about a 12-year-old black kid who goes to a new, mostly white private school. The author, Jerry Kraft, talked to This American Life about the gap he was trying to fill in books that are designed for kids. All the books with Black protagonists were history or misery. You know, no kid like me ever made it to the end of a book. There was no dad. There was nothing. You know, the kids always lived on the south side of somewhere that was just really horrible, Mm -hmm. you know. And it was gangs or slavery or civil rights or police brutality. And I'm like... Can I just see a kid who the biggest problem of the day is whether he wants to play Xbox or PlayStation? And that's why I do what I do. I make those books that I wish I had. 
Kraft's book is semi-autobiographical, and it does mention racial slights or microaggressions, things that Kraft or his kids experienced themselves, like being called the wrong name, or white classmates assuming black students love basketball, or touching black students' hair. Some parents in Texas argued that these scenes could psychologically harm white kids. If you watch CNBC, from time to time, you're going to hear this guy giving his take on the markets. You can have 10, 12 percent. Now, the the negative stuff impresses me more longer term as I'm long term oriented. uh, That's legendary investor Leon Cooperman. He's worth somewhere around $2.5 billion. That's a level of wealth that's absolutely unrelatable to most people. Literally, only a few hundred Americans can comprehend his experience. That's why a profile of him in the Washington Post struck us as something that's worth reading. It's written by Eli Saslow, who is this really talented reporter who's been writing stories about how ordinary people are dealing with the pandemic. So we asked him why he wanted to spend time with someone whose daily experience is way out of the ordinary. It's easy to talk about billionaires as one of two things, right? Like people who are the great winners in in American society and and should be celebrated as thus, or people who have capitalized on a broken system and have contributed to like the disenfranchisement of huge numbers of people in an economy that's not working for a vast number of Americans. The truth, I think, is messier in between. Leon spends a lot of time talking about his relatively humble background. You know, he, he was born to poor immigrant parents in a in a small one-bedroom apartment in New York. And Leon worked remarkably hard uh, to sort of get himself into college at a time when college tuition cost $24. He took a job making $12,000 a year. He worked his way up through financing until he was high up at Goldman Sachs and then running his own, own hedge fund. Leon admits he has more money than he can ever spend. He and his wife have committed to giving away more than 90% of their wealth. They donate to dozens of organizations, but right now, a lot of people are concerned about growing inequality. They're also very critical of billionaires. And Leon, well, he's taking it personally. Leon has suddenly been perceived very differently as in some ways like the villain in the American story of where we are right now as a country. So instead of getting, you know, the congratulatory notes that he he thinks that he deserves, he's instead sometimes getting death threats or, you know, attacked by politicians. Saslow's piece isn't a defense or a critique of Leon. It kind of just lays out all the contradictions. He's a billionaire who drives a Hyundai, shops at Costco, and donates to charity. But he's also got a $5 million home with a custom infinity pool that he has never stepped foot in. He calls a trading desk a dozen times a day to check his net worth. Saslow thinks there's something worth understanding about people like Leon. I guess my hope is to take people beyond the place of of stereotype and assumption and, and instead think about what are the fundamental problems here and, and what maybe are, are some of the ways that we can still work together in some respect to solve them, rather than name-calling and engaging in sort of warfare with one another. It's Groundhog Day, and you probably know that a rodent is very unlikely to give you a better forecast than just opening up the weather app. This is about tradition and a cute animal, not science. But that's not stopping the data journalism site 538 from throwing some serious analytical power at a fun question. Can a groundhog be a good meteorologist? 
This is such a 538 piece. They've got charts on charts on charts. And as for Punxsutawney Phil, you know, the most famous groundhog, he doesn't have a great record. This morning, Phil reportedly saw his shadow, which means a late spring. But, you know, take that with a huge grain of salt. 538's analysis shows he's actually worse than just flipping a coin. He's only right about 36% of the time. 538 doesn't stop there, of course. It also crunches the numbers on many other animal forecasters. So if you want to see how other famous animals fared, I'm talking about Prairie Dog Pete, Buckeye Chuck, or Snohomish Slough. That's a frog in Washington State, by the way. Check out the whole story and all the infographics. It's on the Apple News app, along with all the stories we talked about today. And when you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.